this is my journey on how I learned to bloom. Thanks for joining me. Okay guys, today's episode is going to be about domestic violence, so this is your official trigger warning. There will be discussion about various levels of abuse. I am going to tell you guys my story about how I fell victim to domestic violence. I was 19 years old and it was the year after I had graduated high school. I had moved away to work just to make some money for university. And while I was there, I had met somebody who was 10 years older than me and I fell in love with him. It wasn't immediately after I moved there. I had met him, but we never worked together. Until about eight months in, we were assigned to the same site. And this is where I got to know him a little bit. And I remember thinking that he was just the kindest, sweetest, funniest, most charming guy I had ever met in my entire life. And it's so bizarre because I don't know how I thought that. <laughs> but I think that one thing that narcissists are really good at is making you believe that they are this wonderful person. In fact, I remember one day after we had started dating, me calling my mom while I was at work and telling her that he was the breath of fresh air that I had been always waiting for. Just so fucked up to think about now. So domestic violence, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people don't understand unless they've been through it. I don't know about you, but I know I have heard a few stories where a person can't leave the relationship because they're too in love or they feel stuck or they just believe that this person will get better and will stop treating them like shit. And we ask ourselves, why won't you just go to the police? Why don't you just leave? But the thing about domestic violence is that your self-worth completely eliminated when you are belittled by someone constantly. Statistics have shown that people go back to their abusers on average eight times before they finally walk away for good. And in fact, it took me exactly eight times. So I think it's extremely important that we show compassion during these scenarios and remind ourselves that when someone is abused, they genuinely do not believe that they deserve any better. Chances are they've been told this by their abuser or they have just been so battered down that they either believe they're the crazy ones or they believe that they can't get any better. And I definitely experienced both of those feelings. So it was a couple weeks into dating him and I had actually decided that I was going to be moving back home. And we had talked about it and he had actually told me that he would love to move back there with me. We didn't do that immediately. We did long distance for a couple of months. And then I actually decided to go back and stay with him and live with him and do another month of work. And during this time, uh, there was no red flags that I can remember. I'm sure there were things in the moment that I didn't pick up on, but everything seemed relatively normal. When I had went back to work and lived with him for that last month there, I remember finding some things that had indicated he was using drugs. But I was so naive and he told me, oh, it was just this one time or oh, that's so-and-so's, and I totally believed him. Other than that, there was no red flags. He didn't yell at me, he didn't scream at me, he didn't hit me, he didn't do anything during this time period. In fact, I remember him being so sweet. Once we had both decided to quit that job and then take the summer off and just do some traveling, driving across Canada, we had actually decided to go visit his family, which is where I would be meeting 
his parents and his siblings and also his son. Yeah, so it turns out he had had a son back where he was from and he had moved away from him to work, which at the time sounded like no big deal. Okay, yeah, you're going to work to make some more money to provide for your son. But what it actually was, was that he moved away from his child. And I just totally dismissed it because he made it sound like he was just going away to make some money for his kid. But the fact of the matter is, that's not true at all because then we moved back to where I was from. So any bullshit he fed me, I totally believed it. But I went and I met his family and I actually had a really great time and meeting his son was wonderful. He was so sweet and this guy seemed like such a good dad. While we were there, I got to know his family and we spent a lot of time with his son doing family type things, just the three of us. And it was honestly such a nice time. I think it was here where I really started to feel like I was in love with this guy. And so one night I told him I wanted to have a baby. And so that night we had unprotected sex in hopes that we would conceive a baby and we did. That is the night that we conceived our daughter. I honestly don't know what was going through my head. I come from divorced parents and so I know that there was a while there in my early adult life where I was really desperate for a family and I felt like if I could make my own family that it would make me feel happy. Like it would solve any abandonment issues that I had or any daddy issues or any issues at all. Because to be honest, there was a lot of issues there and I think I needed some serious therapy. <laughs> But what the hell? Let's have a baby, right? And honestly, it was almost immediately that the abuse started. It was like he knew, okay, I've got this chick. I can just show my real self now. That summer, we did a lot of traveling. We visited his family, my family. I took him to a place that I had grown up at where there was a music festival. And we had also gone to visit some of my extended family during a little mini family reunion. So I can't remember exactly the timeline, but I definitely remember the specific events. I remember the first time that he screamed at me. I'm 99% sure we were driving back from visiting his family and he had been doing most of the driving. So there was one night where I was taking a turn driving and he was sleeping. And I don't know why I was lost, but I was. I had no idea where I was going and for whatever reason, I didn't have a map up. So I tried to wake him up and he just lost his shit. He starts screaming at me and I can't even tell you now what he was saying. All I remember was that he just lost it. And I was so confused. Like, why don't you want me to ask you where to go? Do you want to be lost? I just really did not understand what was going on. But he freaked out and then he immediately stopped and went back to sleep. So I was left there feeling so confused, so scared, and I just cried and somehow I figured it out. And I should have taken that as such a huge sign that this was not the person I was supposed to be with, but instead I just dismissed it. I gave it an excuse because, okay, well, maybe he was just tired, he's been doing a lot of driving, this has been a long trip, okay, this is no big deal. But then it would happen again. In fact, I remember when we were visiting my family for the little family reunion, he actually screamed at me in front of my cousin, which was really shocking because he had only ever screamed at me when no one else was around. So that was obviously really embarrassing. And yeah, I, for some reason, dismissed it again. And a lot of these memories are pretty fuzzy. I have to admit, I don't remember exactly what he would say to me, but I remember the way that I felt. 
I felt shock and I felt very confused and I just felt totally paralyzed. But then at the same time, I was in such denial and I loved this guy so much. When I had taken him to the music festival to a place where I had grown up, I was really excited to introduce him to some of my childhood friends. And there was one night where everybody was drinking and although he didn't typically drink alcohol because, you know, he was more of a drug guy, he did have a few drinks this particular night. So I know that he was drunk. And I had tried to have some kind of drink. I don't even remember what it was, but I actually threw up immediately. And that was basically my confirmation that I was in fact pregnant. So I didn't drink for the rest of the time. I didn't even try. So I remember this night very clearly. We were dancing in front of a stage and he was very adamant that I needed to hold his hand while we danced. And I didn't want to. I was dancing. I was right beside him. I was just grooving and enjoying the music. But that was not okay with him and he was really mad that I just wouldn't hold his hands. And at the time I remember thinking like, what's the big deal? But then I figured out it was because he was so full of jealousy that he couldn't even bear the thought of having someone think that we weren't together. He grabbed onto my wrists and he grabbed on so hard that he bruised me. And I remember being like, what the fuck are you doing? And trying to yell at him to stop and him just not letting go and demanding that I must hold onto his hand. And then eventually at some point we went off to the side and I don't remember if I stormed off or if he dragged me off. That is the one part of it that's a bit fuzzy. But I'm saying to him like, what the fuck? What's going on? Why are you doing this? And him just telling me that he doesn't want anyone to think I'm available and he doesn't want me to look at guys and he doesn't want guys to look at me and he's there and he doesn't know anybody and I need to hold his hand because it's important to him. And for some reason, I just told myself, okay, yeah, he doesn't know anybody here. Ah, He's a little drunk. He's being a bit dramatic. This is no big deal. So I let that go. After that, we ended up actually moving in with my mom until we were able to find a place of our own. And this is where things got really scary. We were staying in the basement of where my mom was living, and I know how soundproof that basement is. And he would scream at me. I could not tell you over what. In fact, in the moment, I don't even know if I knew over what. But there was one night in particular that I will never forget and he was screaming at me for again whatever reason and this night he got right on top of me and he was screaming so close to my face that I could literally feel droplets of his saliva on my face and he's screaming and screaming and screaming and then all of a sudden he just gets up and he walks to the other side of the room and he grabs his shirt and he rips it off of his chest and growls like seriously like Hulk style and he's growling and I am so fucking scared you guys I don't even know what the hell's going on but he takes his shirt and he whips it at me and then all of a sudden he just paces back and forth and he storms outside onto the little patio that we had outside of the basement and he has a cigarette and smokes some weed and does whatever shit he's gonna do and then he comes back inside and acts like nothing has happened. And yeah, I will admit that this was a moment where I felt afraid for my life. And my mom had no idea what was going on. I didn't tell her anything. In fact, I didn't tell anybody anything because 
I felt embarrassed and I felt ashamed and I also felt like, okay, well, whatever his issues are, we will get through it. I will help him. I will make him better. And I didn't want anybody to know that he treated me this way because I didn't want them to think less of him, which I think is a really important issue to highlight. There are so many times where partners treat their significant other like absolute shit and then the person doesn't say anything to anybody because they are so afraid that they will get judgment from their loved ones. So I kept my mouth shut and I just moved on with life. We ended up finding our own place and when we moved, things were a little bit better. He definitely would still yell at me and still find ways to control me, but there wasn't severe instances of him screaming or getting in my face or whipping things at me. There were a few moments where he would throw a couple of things, but there was never any time where I felt afraid for my life. At some point, I had decided to tell my mom about some of the emotional abuse that I was experiencing. I didn't want her to know any of the physical elements of it, though. And there was one day in particular where I was doing errands or something. I don't even remember exactly what I was doing, but for whatever reason, I had missed my mom's phone call and it took me a while to get back to her. And I remember calling her back and saying, oh, you know, whatever, I'm sorry I was busy all day or something. And I remember her saying, I thought he killed you. And, you know, to say those words now feels so hard. But at the time when she said that, I was like, oh my God, mom, no, like, don't think that, that, you know, he would never hurt me that way. And again, I think it's really important to highlight the fact that I felt like he wouldn't hurt me that way because he had obviously already hurt me in so many other ways. And how could I possibly know that? How could I possibly know that he wasn't capable of killing me at some point? I think that's another thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, the more that you're in a relationship and you're dismissing all of these red flags and then maybe it moves to emotional abuse and you think, okay, well, at least he's not hitting me. Or maybe it moves to them throwing something at you and you think, oh, well, you know, he's not punching me or hitting me. That doesn't mean that it's not going to end up that way at some point and chances are it will. I also want to mention, I know I'm using the he and she in this scenario, but obviously this can happen in same-sex couples and this can also happen roles reversed where a person who identifies as a female can assault their male partner. In my instance, I am a woman who was with a man and I am just using this language because this has been my experience. So at some point it had gotten bad enough that I decided to move out and I actually moved in with my mom and she was really supportive and helpful and yeah, obviously wanted me to feel safe. I had lived with her for a few months and yeah, I mean, I was pregnant. I did eventually get a positive pregnancy test and I remember telling him and his response was, okay. So of course, during this time that we didn't live together, he was doing everything in his power to get me back. He was being the sweetest man on this earth. He was kind. He was thoughtful. He, oh yeah, he just treated me like an absolute treasure. But that's what they do, you know. They, they work really hard to get you back just so that they can have control over you again. 
and eventually we did end up moving back in together. It was a new place and we were very close to having our daughter, which at the time we didn't know was a daughter, but we were very close to having our baby. And for the most part, things were pretty good. He would definitely still raise his voice at me and control me in the most bizarre ways, but I don't remember there being any physical violence at this point. He was so jealous and controlling. I couldn't go anywhere without him knowing exactly where I would be, exactly who I would be with, and of course having to communicate with him the entire time that I was gone. And then I would get home and I would need to explain everything yet again. If I was texting somebody, he'd ask me who I was texting. If I was on the phone with somebody, he'd say, who are you talking to? And if we happened to be sitting beside each other while I was texting somebody or on my phone, he would be looking over my shoulder. He also did really weird things like tell me how to drink chocolate milk or how to cook certain foods. And not in the way that's helpful, in the way that he just needed to have control over everything I did. So it was really toxic and really unhealthy and yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see that in the moment. I remember being so relieved that there was no more abuse, even though I was in the most controlling relationship of my entire life. We had our daughter and actually that was probably the only time where I felt peace. I felt like, okay, we've had our daughter, you know, maybe he won't hurt me anymore. Maybe he won't want to control me anymore. Maybe I can just be my own person now. Maybe he respects me enough now that I'm a mother to his child. And it was pretty good for quite a while. Like I said, there was just like, you know, weird little things where he would try and control me or, you know, instances where he would be jealous. But yeah, no obvious abuse that made me feel like I needed to leave. And then when she was about... I want to say three, four months, things really amped up in a way that I was not expecting. And to be completely honest with you, I don't really feel comfortable saying the specifics because it's really painful and it's not something that I have fully worked through, but it was really bad. And so... Yeah, uh, eventually when she was about five or six months, I actually packed a bag and I left. You know, the summer before where I hadn't quite confirmed that I was pregnant, but we were doing some traveling in Canada, we actually saw a medium. And I don't know, maybe you're listening to this thinking like, okay, well, what a crock of shit. I don't know. But I have seen a few mediums and I have always had experiences that have made me feel like, how could it possibly not be real? But that's besides the point. When I saw this medium, he had actually told me that I was pregnant and I said, yeah, I, I figured I was, but I'm not, I'm not close enough to test yet. And he said, yeah, you're, you're going to have a baby. And you're rushing into this relationship really fast. And I said, yeah, I am. And he told me to be very careful and that he could see a ring and that I need to be really cautious and consider if it was actually a good decision because he could see it ending badly. And you guys, why didn't I listen to this fucking medium? Like, uh, I don't know. I mean... I think it's like when your friend tells you, hey, you know, my partner is doing this to me and you say, oh my God, you have to leave. 
but do they no they don't because at the end of the day we all need to come to that decision on our own terms but still to this day I think that's fascinating I think it's fascinating that I saw this medium and they basically told me exactly what was going to happen and sure enough that's what happened the night that I left, I tried to stay with my mom, but I wasn't able to. And so I actually ended up spending about a week on my friend's couch with my baby. And although that sounds kind of sad, it actually ended up being the best thing because my friend's mom actually worked with some sort of program or had previously worked with some sort of program who had access to resources at a second stage transition house. So she came over and yeah, I remember her sitting down on the bed and talking to me about, you know, women who are abused and how there's this second stage transition house that I could go stay at and it's for women who have no place to go or if they're leaving violence. And I still think it's kind of odd that while she's talking to me about this, I remember thinking that this wasn't the place I needed to be. I, I'm not like those women who have been beaten and have nowhere to go. But I was like those women. I had been hurt. I had been in a violent relationship and I didn't have anywhere to go. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of denial happening, a lot of shame for me. So she helped me put in my application and I wasn't able to get in right away. There was a few month wait list, which actually ended up working out really well because I had two other friends who had started to rent out a place, but one of them wasn't able to stay there for a few months. So I actually ended up living there for the few months that she wasn't able to stay there. So that worked out really well timing wise. And yeah, eventually my spot opened up at the transition house and me and my daughter moved in there. Now, there are a lot of tricky things about leaving domestic violence, but definitely one of the hardest things is how often you go back and forth. And I'm not just talking about romantically going back and forth. I'm also talking about even in the moments where I wouldn't be back together with him. I would be sitting in my apartment in the transition house and I would still have this thought like, maybe I could fix him or maybe there's a way where he could get better for his family. So yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. And yeah, sometimes I would actually get back together with him. And thankfully, I never moved back in with him, but I would just go and spend a lot of time at the house and it would be like we were living together again. And I remember feeling such shame, like I couldn't tell anybody at the transition house that I was back with my abuser because what kind of idiot gets back with their abuser? We had outreach workers assigned to us while we lived there and they were there to help us with any resources we needed or, or even if it was just to talk. And there was no way I was gonna tell her that I was back together with him. But what I didn't know then that I know now is the statistic behind how often an abused person goes back to their abuser. And so chances are she had dealt with that many times before. So I should have just been open and honest with her and maybe she could have helped me. But instead I hid that part of my life. So it was the following summer. Our daughter was over a year old and yeah, we were back together and I had actually flown his son out to stay with us. And stuff like that happened all the time. There would be something that he would want to buy and yeah, he would just convince me to pay for it and make me feel guilty. And I mean, it's not like I had the money. I just racked up a ton of debt. Again, another thing that I just really can't explain, but I did it. And things would seem normal for a while. He was really good at keeping things really 
happy and being extra nice for the first like I don't know maybe three weeks but then yeah it would just go downhill from there and the screaming would come back the throwing things would come back the rage would come back the drugs would come back and you know the drugs really pissed me off because he would always deny it but I mean yeah I was really naive but I also wasn't a fucking idiot I knew he was doing drugs and it was so frustrating that he would just never admit it to me my mental health was really bad during that time and yeah I actually ended up self-referring to mental health in my local area and I got a little bit of help but um, yeah it's just it's really sad that even with some of the resources that they put out there it just still isn't enough and you know I am grateful for what is out there and what was available to me at the time but it definitely didn't solve all of my problems a part of the issue was also that I really didn't like being alone and so even when we weren't together I would be dating somebody else and yeah I just never gave myself the opportunity to fully heal I was just always masking what my issues were there was actually one time that I called the police on him and I don't remember exactly what for there would be sometimes where he would stalk me when we weren't together. He would just park outside of wherever I was living and watch me or watch to see where I would go. And so I'm thinking that that was why. But I remember the police officer asking me if I wanted to press charges because at the time I was living at the transition house. And I said no. And again, I think this just comes back to being in denial for sure. But yeah, I was also really afraid, you know, what if I press charges and what if he, what if there was a restraining order and what if he didn't give a shit? What if he actually came and really hurt me? And I, I didn't trust that he wasn't capable of even more than he had already done. And I really wish that I had just told the officer this because he was actually a really nice officer and I definitely felt like I could trust him, but... I was just, yeah, I was too paralyzed with fear and probably a part of me still felt like I could fix him at that point. I hadn't been separated from him for that long and in fact, over the years of us getting back together and breaking up, I think I ended up calling the police one other time and that was more towards the end. And I actually wanted to get a restraining order at that point, but because I had never in the past, it was just a lot harder and yeah, I didn't move forward with it because well, I didn't trust the court system. I had already been failed by it in regards to our custody arrangement with our daughter. So yeah, I was really jaded and I just really, I didn't ask for help. I didn't, I hardly let anybody in as it was, let alone about this specific scenario. So I just, I suffered in silence and I did everything by myself in regards to this. And yeah, if I could go back, I would have asked for help and accessed every resource I possibly could have. Some of the hardest things that I would experience, even while we were together, but mostly when we had broken up, was, you know, saying to somebody, oh yeah, he just, he wasn't very nice to me. And that's how I would always answer it whenever someone would say, oh, why did you guys break up? Why aren't you together? I would never say, oh, he was violent or, oh yeah, no, there was um, domestic violence. I would always say, oh yeah, he just like wasn't very nice. And I don't know why. Why did I sugarcoat that? I didn't need to sugarcoat that. Who was I trying to protect? I didn't need to protect him. I guess in a weird way, I just felt like that was me protecting myself. And definitely there was a lot of shame around it. I think, yeah, it's 
I don't know why domestic abuse survivors feel shame about this because it's obviously not our fault. But yeah, that's a very real feeling that you experience. But yeah, anytime I would say that, oh, he wasn't very nice, people would be shocked. They would say, oh, he seemed like such a nice guy. Oh, really? And that hurt so bad because I already felt like I was crazy because he had manipulated me into feeling like that. And that's a hard feeling to overcome. So when people would say that, it automatically caused me to second guess myself. And in fact, there would be some people who didn't even know the full situation and they were you know, trying to get us to get back together or be extra supportive when we would get back together. And, you know, although there was nothing anybody could have done to change that, I was going to do what I was going to do. It definitely made me feel like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I should be with him. We have a family together. I should fix this. I can fix this. I can, I can help him. Or if we were together and I would hear somebody say like, oh, look at him. He's changing a diaper or, oh, he seems like such a good dad. That just made me shrink and shrink and shrink because I knew it was actually happening behind closed doors. And I would always just smile and nod. And yeah, I remember thinking to myself, oh, you have no idea. But isn't it funny how I would have those thoughts of, oh, you have no idea what's actually going on, but I couldn't get it through to my own head that I didn't actually mean to endure that any longer. So yeah, we went back and forth for a really long time. It was years. And yeah, in between I dated other people, but I just, I could never get over him. And then I actually decided that I wanted to have another baby. And so I asked him, will you have another baby with me? And at this point we actually weren't back together, but we were cordial for the most part. And he actually agreed. And I think that he thought it was going to be a way to actually get back together with me. There was a little while there where he was in a serious relationship with somebody else. And during this time, our co-parenting relationship with our daughter was really terrible, which I should clarify, we did co-parent for the most part, although he was never consistent with his visits and there would be weeks where we wouldn't hear from him. And even when we would hear from him and he would take our daughter, there was always an issue. He was either feeding her things that were making her sick or not properly caring for her. And I tried so hard to get full custody. I really did. I went to court more than once and they failed me every single time. Anytime I would bring up the domestic violence, it would be, oh, that's just hearsay. So that was a mistake that I made. It took me too long to go to court. I should have gone great when the violence was actually happening but I didn't so I was forced to co-parent with him and fortunately there was a lot of the time where he wouldn't show up which was obviously the best for my daughter but while he was with this other person I had actually found out that he was violent with her and I I believed him when he said that it was because she was violent with him and honestly, it makes me sick to even think about the fact that I believed him, but it was easy to believe him in that moment because she had actually previously threatened to kill me. So that situation was just a whole series of events in itself. But when they had broken up, he was actually really quite nice to me for quite some time. And that is when I had decided, okay, you know what, maybe I should just have another child with him because... You know, I'm single, I'm not meeting anybody, I want a sibling for my daughter, and at least I knew what to expect from him. And he had been acting so much better, and for 
the millionth time I believed that he could change. And I mean, it's not like I thought we would get back together and we would be this happy family and he would be the best dad in the world. I actually remember thinking to myself, okay, chances are I'm going to be a solo parent to two children now, but whatever. I've already done it with one. I'm sure I can do it again. And yeah, I just, I really wanted another baby and I didn't want to have to wait to meet somebody. And at least that meant that my children would be full siblings. Not that that really matters, but it was just another thing that I told myself. So yeah, we had another child and actually during the majority of the pregnancy, I really didn't hear from him much. There was one time where I was at his house and yeah, he... (laughs) shocker he screamed at me and I just remember crying and crying and crying and thinking oh my god how did I end up here again how did I end up pregnant again with him screaming in my face all these years later but at least in this scenario I had my own place to live and I had the confidence to know that I did not need him so we went our separate ways and I had my son and yeah I didn't hear from him about the birth and Yeah, he was actually quite surprised to find out that I had had the baby, but I mean, I didn't hear from him and I didn't put him on the birth certificate and I didn't owe him anything. He did end up showing some interest when our son was, I don't know, maybe a month old, I would say. And I decided that we could spend some time together. So yeah, there was actually a camping trip that we had gone on as a family. And I made it very clear it wasn't romantic. It was just for the sake of the family. And I really should have known better at this point. I don't know how after all these years I didn't know better. But man, the amount of effort I put in so that he could have a relationship with these kids was honestly insane. But it was actually this camping trip where it finally came to an end. I had found out that throughout all these years he had been cheating on me with multiple different women as well as telling all of these women, including randoms who he hadn't even had romantic encounters with, that I was a crazy partier who treated him terribly and that I was the one who cheated on him and that he was this poor single dad who was an incredible father to his children and essentially that he was the victim in the situation. And when I had found all of that out, I think that was the most sick to my stomach I had felt in a long time. Obviously, when you have someone over top of you screaming at you and you don't know if they're gonna kill you, that definitely hits different, but there was just something so sick to knowing that he was telling someone an entirely different narrative that really made me fucking mad. So I packed up the kids and I left the campsite and I have not gone back since. That was now over three years ago and in the meantime I have met my husband. But that's not to say that it's been easy. It has required a lot of therapeutic methods to overcome all of these years of trauma with him. And when I met my husband I was really struggling with my mental health and yeah honestly just I have healed so much just through being with him and having him be a safe space for me and finally feeling for the first time in my life like I'm safe. Still to this day, I do therapy to heal from all of this and that wound will always be there. 
The other thing I want to talk about is how difficult it is to be in a healthy relationship after you've left an abusive one. You're constantly in survival mode. You're constantly assuming that this person is going to hurt you at some point and everything feels too good to be true. So I went through a process with my husband where, yeah, I just didn't trust him for no fault of his own. I just didn't trust anybody. So I had to work through that and I will give him props because he has always been incredibly patient with me and has always been willing to just sit down with me and talk to me and understand why I am the way that I am. So although I wish I didn't have to go through any of that, I actually just told my husband today that I would go through that a hundred times over if it meant that I would end up with him every single time. You always hear, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and I completely disagree with that. What doesn't kill you gives you <laughs> lifelong <laughs> mental and physical illness if I'm being completely honest but it doesn't mean that you can't heal and I do feel like although my healing process isn't over I am really working through it so that's my story and I know that I probably forgot details and probably missed some important events over the years but my whole point in recording this episode was just to A, let people know who are going through this that they're not alone, and B, let people who have previously gone through this know that it does get better. You can work through it. You don't need to go back. You don't need to endure that any longer. It's okay to permanently walk away, and you do actually deserve something that is better than that. And I know a lot of that comes on your own terms. I get it. I really do. I've been there. But I do wonder if I had heard a podcast in the thick of it like this, maybe it could have helped in one way or another. I also wanted to upload this episode for people just to have a general understanding of how truly difficult and how your hands feel completely tied when you're in this situation. It is very easy to look into a situation from the outside and not understand why a person would make a certain decision or why they wouldn't make other decisions but at the end of the day I just cannot emphasize enough how debilitating it is being in a relationship with someone who is this manipulative and frankly just a narcissist in general and honestly overcoming that emotional damage that I experienced has been even more difficult than suffering some of the physical violence I had to gain back my confidence I had to gain back an actual sense of who I was because I completely lost all of it. Please just know you are not alone. I know this is hard to overcome, but you can and you will. If you're listening to this and you just need an extra push or you need some resources in your area, please feel free to message me on Instagram, Facebook. If you have my phone number, text me. If you have my email, email me. It doesn't matter to me, just reach out because I will do anything to help someone considering I know exactly how that feels. I'm sure one day I'll get into more specific details about this entire journey of domestic violence that I've gone through. And if I have a guest on one day who wants to have a back and forth and talk about this, then yeah, I'm open. I started a podcast for a reason after all, but for now I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I hope it could help somebody. Thanks for listening while we bloom. Thank you.